You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Pennsylvania Woodsman Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Shirk, and it is finally here. Tomorrow strikes opening day, and I hope you guys got your rain gear, your umbrellas, your ground blinds, whatever, because it looks like a good chunk of the state, at least here over in the eastern side of the state, looks like it's going to be pretty rainy, maybe even a washout. But uh, I still don't know what I'm doing as far as opening day of turkey season. I had originally planned to go upstate um, towards uh, towards Potter County and do some hunting in an area I never hunted with some, some family and friends. And I still might do that, but I've been running into some issues. The past few weeks have been chaotic around my house. So this, so this past winter. I had noticed in, we have an, a sunroom that's uh, an add-on to our house, and we noticed that there was places where there was there was water damage, and the one time we had a, a heavy storm come through, and there was water leaking, and we're like, man, something's not good here, we gotta rip this apart, so, you know, we waited till spring, and I had it all planned out last Saturday that I had, you know, friends and family coming, we were ripping the roof off, and uh, we were gonna replace the roof. And I started this and realized that everything on this additional roof was A, done wrong, and B, completely shot. Till it was all said and done, the the rafters had to be replaced, the plywood had to be replaced, the faceboard, the soffit, the fascia, everything uh, in that section. We just had to redo it. And uh, what, what turned into a small job turned into a way longer job than we had anticipated and hoped for. And, you know, talk about annoying, talk about frustrating. Uh, you know, I had, uh, I had all kinds of stuff planned out. I borrowed a dump trailer because on my, my roof I had an aluminum shingle roof. Underneath that were regular shingles. So we got a dump trailer that I could put the aluminum on the dump trailer and take it to a scrap yard. And then... You know, the shingle roof and everything else, I, I got a dumpster lined up. And I called the dumpster a week ahead of time, and Friday comes, no dumpster. Friday, 3 o'clock, no dumpster. And I called the place. I called them five times. Nobody would answer my calls. Nobody would, 
you know, say they were coming. So I'm going frantic, and I, I finally found somebody who would bring me a dumpster. And they said, yep, we'll be there in a half hour. Never showed up Friday. So we start ripping the roof off Saturday morning. No dumpster, no dumpster, and I'm getting nervous, and I'm getting nervous. It's getting closer. We're getting to the point where we have no room left on the roof anymore. We've got to push it off somewhere. And finally they showed up, and I was like, praise the Lord, hallelujah for that. <laughs> then uh, I, had a, I had a skid loader come. And I was using the skid loader for, for the, the project, and I had some other stuff I wanted to do around my house. The, you know, that came, the tires were bald. I mean, I couldn't hardly get up the hill behind my house to do, you know, this project, and I'm getting frustrated, and it's just running back and forth. Everything took longer than it should have. And like I said, the whole time, um, you know, in this moment, I'm stressed, I'm frustrated, nothing's working the way I wanted to. And uh, I realized on... Monday this week that when I looked at it everything I could have possibly needed was provided because we got a dumpster in time we ripped the roof off we got it all papered in right as the rainstorm started on Saturday so that was fantastic I had a skid loader there and it stayed extra on Monday and I was able to do a couple extra projects with it that I didn't anticipate and th there was just so many things about that whole process that while I didn't really get what I wanted out of the weekend or didn't go the way I expected, I had everything I needed. All, all my prayers over that whole entire thing were answered. So I just had to praise God for that because, um, you know, re realizing that everything that we needed was covered was, was a big deal. So we're, we're, we're making through, the, the roof is fixed, and we're getting ready to finish, uh, finish shingling up. Then we're just going to have to do some work on our gable ends and you know, replacing some siding on those ends and, and everything else. So we're, we're wrapping it up. It, it's been aggravating. It's kind of the last thing I wanted to be dealing with when we get into my, my busiest time of year for work. And, uh, you know, on top of that, it's getting into turkey season. I'm really getting excited for turkey season because I have a couple places that have birds. And I'm, I'm hoping that I, I can make the time to, uh, to go out and hunt them. So that's what's been on my radar. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure plenty of you know what that's like. But, you know, I, I tell you that story just because I'm hoping that, you know, whatever you guys got going on in your life, you know, there, there's plenty of times where if, if I sit back and I, I look at it from a, a neutral position in life, um, there are so many times where what I needed was provided. And just because, you know, sometimes what I needed and what I wanted were two different things. And, and I have to just be thankful for that. So I thought that was uh, just a cool thing that happened for me. And, uh, yeah, this weekend, again, I'm just, I'm anxious to chase turkeys. I've been getting pictures and listening to birds in a couple mornings here and there, and I, I haven't wanted to turkey hunt this much in a long time. I don't know what it is. So I'm, I'm hoping I can run in and have some, have some good action this year. And, uh, you know, rolling into this week's episode, we have a conversation with the team from VPA, Vantage Point Archery, and we were speaking with Ryan Corkwell and Alex Christensen, and we had a great conversation all revolving around their products and the, the big push in our industry right now, kind of resurfacing machined solid steel broadheads. 
And, you know, I have a lot of questions about that. You know, I did run on one of my setups this year. I did have one of their single bevel broadheads. And there were some some really great things about their heads. And then there were some things that my lack of experience and understanding, you know, how to uh, how to prepare and, and sharpen and hone that type of steel was was just a hiccup that I had to learn uh, kind of the hard way. So I wanted to, to reach out with them and, and chat a little bit more about understanding how do you how do you make the right decisions or, or how do you assess their their positioning of products and understand the ins and outs of me, these machine heads and know how to position them for your setup if it's something that you want to do or if uh, you should do. And uh, we talk a lot about um, anywhere from the, the types of heads they have, how to hone them, <clears throat> how to tune, and just a, a overall general archery conversation and, and this move towards this type of broadhead. You know, when you look at uh, any, and like I said, I'm not well versed in all of Dr. Ashby's reports at the Ashby Foundation. <laughs> But I do know that some of the, the, the first principles that they have is A, perfect arrow flight, and B, structural integrity. And, you know, regardless of where you fall in the spectrum, whether you like to shoot a light arrow or a mechanical or a he- really heavy arrow, wherever you are, no matter where we are in a bow hunting community, we can all agree that those are really, really important things for a successful shot and, you know, lethality in an animal. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of base our conversation around that and then how the, the VPA broadheads kind of fit into the market. And, and like I said, they go into the, the, the types of steel they have and the offer and, and uh, different grain weights. And it, it's just a great conversation to get you thinking, if you want to plan ahead, now's the time. I, I ran into the mistake last year. I got into this a little bit too close to the season. I didn't have the time to invest to, to learn and, and do as much uh, with modifying my setup as I would have liked. So I wanted to have this episode now so that way if if this is something that you guys are thinking about and you want to tinker with, now's a good time to get started. So yeah, great conversation. I hope you guys enjoy it. Before we get into this week's episode, I want to leave a quick shout out to the companies that make this show happen and support us and love what we're doing. And uh, they, you know, they they believe in the mission we have, and we believe in their companies. Um, and I want to I want to get started talking about Radix Hunting, guys. If you guys are looking for upping your trail cameras, if you're looking to invest in quality cameras quality pictures whether that is their conventional gen series cameras or you're looking to get into your cell cameras or expand upon your cell cameras with their m core cell cams guys they have really competitive prices the image quality to me is top end i posted a couple pictures and uh and on instagram on my story and i think it's really impressive the quality that comes from these cameras and i think they're a camera that i would check out if I were you and they also have available to them their monarch hunting blinds which uh, would be something that would be well used this weekend with the upcoming rain that we have so check out Radix hunting and lastly I want to give our shout out to Huntworth guys this is a Pennsylvania based hunting company uh, hunting clothing company and I'm this year I'm going to be running their disruption pattern it's their digital pattern I I just got uh, a couple articles of clothing and first impressions were really 
really high. Um, I, I got their Elkin series clothing, which is kind of their mid-weight windbreak layer that I think with the, the very strange spring weather we've had is going to come in handy and keeping me warm because, I've, like I said, I've been in this situation before in spring where it's miserable cold and uh, you feel like you're, you completely underdressed the first week and I think this is going to do a good job keeping me warm and then when we get into the later uh, later part of the, the year I'm going to switch to the Durham pants and some of the more lightweight stuff which is very versatile and I'm, I'm really impressed with the pattern so check out Huntworth I'm, ex I'm anxious to be talking about their products and using their products and I think they're worthwhile checking out for you guys they've got very competitive prices uh, when you look at what this industry has to offer so check them out and with that, hey, let's get to this episode. So on the phone with us today, I've got Alex Christensen and Ryan Corkwell from VPA Vantage Point Archery. Guys, thank you for joining me on uh, on this one fine spring day we've got. Yeah, yeah thanks for having us. Absolutely. We got to connect a little bit and chat at, at ATA, which was a, a busy show. I mean, it was the first time I was there, so I was kind of overwhelmed. I'm sure you guys kind of been through the ringer before in those shows. How was show season for you this year? Uh, yeah, show season is always uh, gas pedal fully down. We just go as fast as we can. Fast and furious is what we call it. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> good deal, good deal. So, um, I've been interested here lately, and what kind of reason I want to have you guys on, like there's there's so many hot topics in the world of broadheads and arrow lethality and new information out there in the mainstream media, and you guys have been really at the forefront of, you know, solid steel broadheads and really placed them well. It's it's really taking off, and it's, it's kind of new to me, you know, in my bow hunting career, everything's been in the replacement world, and... Uh, you know, this year was the first year, so I have two bows. I shoot uh, my, my normal setup that I have, um, that, you know, kind of what I've landed on the past few years, tried and true. You know, most of my hunting is just deer hunting. I do some bear hunting and turkey hunting with it as well. But uh, I found a, a good deal this past year. There was this one older model uh, bow that I really liked, and I found a heck of a deal on it, so I bought it, and I decided, you know, I'm going to tinker with some of these setups that everybody's talking about. And I ended up, you know doing some research and, and came across, uh, you know, Vantage Point Broadheads. And I was like, I, I really want to try these. But there was so many learning curves that I had, um, you know, through this whole process. And I think it'd be a great opportunity to have. But, I mean, what what has been, you know, since you guys are rolling with this, like, what's your day-to-day -day questions and interest, you know, from the hunting industry, so to speak, or, 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 or consumers, that for that matter? I think um... – because uh, Kellen and I are taking most of the calls and field most of the questions, the day-to-day -day question is going to be, hey, can I resharpen this? And we always say yes. We even sell the kits to do that. Um, how hard and how easy is it to resharpen? Um, there are so many videos out there right now to resharpen a head that we could probably do our own, but why? Because there are great people already doing that. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is as far as on the steel and the way – Guys always want to know, hey, what steel is this? Why is it different than any other steel? What makes yours better? And it comes down to not only the steel, like one being a 1045 steel, and then the premium steel would be an S7 tool steel. Um, we, we don't play the game of hardness. Like we know what the bakes, what the steels want, 
how they want them, the, the, pre- the process they go through. That way, we're keeping our rock well at a constant, like, for our 1045 steel, it's running at, like, 51, 52 rock well. On our S7 steel, it's running, like, between 57 and 58. Um, and then it comes down to that sharpening side of stuff, right? Like, where a softer steel at a 51 rock well, that's going to sharpen up easier. On an S7 steel, that's going to sharpen up harder. That makes a yeah, lot. Yeah, in addition... Go ahead. Yeah, yeah in, a, in addition to all the... Yeah, I was going to say, that's a lot of information, too. I guess if, um, that's kind of the questions we are getting, though, on the day-to-day, a lot of sharpening. And then a lot of questions, too, more broad, like, should I be shooting a two-blade or should I be shooting a three-blade? What's a single bevel? Why would I want to shoot a single bevel? Should I be shooting a right bevel or a left bevel? So really any question you can think of, we're getting mm-hmm. it. We learn uh, learn a lot from other people, too, who say, oh, I had this experience and with the three blade or whatever. And so I'm going to try this and we encourage people to, you know, try new things and, and learn along the way. Yeah. Those are all kind of things that I'd love to dive into you with you guys a little bit, but I want to ask the question before we get into some of the technical side and your experience and positioning on stuff is I'm really just curious, like where do you guys stand in the world of like, why go to the, why go this route? Like, what goals does VPA have as a company, like, for the archery community with the products you're putting in the market? Like, why the difference now? Yeah, uh, yep. I was gonna say. I mean, our mission at VPA has always been to create and supply durable American-made products to the market to make bow hunting more ethical, and we're making it more ethical by supplying those quality one-piece broadheads that you know, aren't going to fail to open. Um, you can count on, you know, getting, getting your animal mm-hmm. when you're out there hunting and not being worried about the, the what if of, of your shot. And that last, I think also Alice is the integrity. Like we're going to stand behind it no matter what, like mm-hmm. you're going to call and you're going to talk to me, right? You're going to call and like, if you have an issue with it, a problem with it. You're going to, you're going to talk to the guy at one of three people. And that's what we like. We're small, but we are big. Yeah, one thing I was blown away by, like, if you go on your website, like, I saw that there's a, is it a lifetime warranty? Or, like, there's a pretty extreme warranty, like, and I don't see other broadhead companies doing that. Yep, so we do, yep, we do offer, like, a 100% guarantee, lifetime warranty on all our broadheads if something were to happen in a hunting scenario and it gets damaged, you know, send it into us and we'll send you a replacement. It's, It's not often we're getting those types of, uh, you know, things in the mail from customers just because most of the time when people are coming back and buying new broadheads, it's because they've lost maybe their broadheads mm-hmm. or they're just wanting to try something new this season. Um, they're going to last forever because they are, you know, machined from one solid piece. So you just sharpen them back up and off you go. So like with mainstream media, out there and all the information and, and stuff on the market, you know, for, for new bow hunters, especially can be overwhelming, but like, do you guys feel on the side of arrows, arrow lethality broadheads? Do you, do you think that the archery industry is missing in any, any capacity things that, you know, are overlooked? Are, are there things overlooked when it comes to arrow lethality, accuracy, broadhead, like stuff that is, the industry just isn't missing a mark and you guys are trying to fill that void in. I think one thing I guess would 
would be like we already touched on is just avoiding avoiding the risk that your broadhead isn't going to perform right that's where we've come in and really eliminated that risk because as long as you're you're tuned you've practiced and you're ready for the shot like your broadhead isn't going to be the factor that fails you yeah we don't want the head to fail and that's what we're gonna that's what we're gonna stand on is like yeah there's so many guys out there shooting stuff and that's one thing that we get those comments on like why do i switch to your broadhead like I say don't like if you're killing stuff and you're having a good time and you're you're using X amount or X Y Z broadhead. I don't mind that you're shooting that. You're having fun. You're killing stuff. I say just call me when it doesn't work. Just call me and I will set you up with what I think it was from a hundred grain up to three hundred grain. And that's a great conversation point for us. So we love having those conversations. Where do you see that switch? When people come and, and ask you questions about your heads and want to make that switch, usually why is the reason, is it exactly what you just talked about? Or like, what are some of those talking points when people say, I want to make a switch and I, they start coming to you? Um, they could, they, they might, some guys might just find it on YouTube, right? They might just be watching a video and be like, I started going down this rabbit trail and now I'm in the weeds. Can you help us out? And I'm like, sure. Or like, Hey, I had a bad shot last year and it didn't open. I'm like, sure. How can I help you? Or it's, man, I just want to go back to, I just want to go back to something that I know it's always going to, it's not going to fail me. It's going to be on me, not on any of my setup. It's mm-hmm. solely going to be on me. I can't, we have shot placement, right? We'd love to. We'd all like be whoever out there shooting, shooting dimes all day long, but that's not, that's not normal. And, hunting situation right well one thing that i i think you know years ago when i first started bow hunting like i had tried some solid steel broad heads and everything else and you know the the manufacturing of them was questionable as far as like the consistency from head to head and then you know how well that they were spinning all my arrows and you know tuning is always a big thing i i think there's more information out there now for the average joe to have a better tuned arrow on their bow than there was maybe when I started bow hunting, but it's, it's still always that learning curve. And like I said, I think everybody has come, come with this mindset that, uh, if you shoot a fixed head, whether it's a a replaceable blade head or it's a solid steel head or or somewhere in between, there's going to be, um, it's going to be harder to tune. Um, you know, right off the bat, I can't say that I experienced that with the heads that I shot from you guys. So can you talk a little bit about, just, just like why, why the manufacturing? How is it so consistent? Why is it different now than it was then? Uh, tighter tolerances on machining, right? Back in the eighties and seventies and eighties, is like I, I compare it to almost like they were holding. They're like our tight, our tolerances run out is minimal. Like we say, less than two tenths, three tenths, right? And we want that. So, and also in the machining process, no matter what, from the one pound billet that we're starting with on a head or 7,000 grains mm-hmm. going down to a hundred grains. So no matter what, we're always grabbing it at the same point. That way we have, that way we're always running true. That way when guys put them on an arrow spinner, they're not seeing that run out. They're not seeing it bounce across they're, They know that the head is coming out true. Um, Miller would definitely be, our engineer would definitely be the guy to, to talk about that mm-hmm. more. Maybe that's another podcast where you like, absolutely tell me what tolerances are. Yeah, it's it's fascinating to me, but like I said, I've had I had good luck with that. My you know, you know, my biggest holdup 
was not necessarily the tuning side of things. You know, like I've shot you know mechanicals i've shot fixed blade heads like the 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 one setup now i shoot a a fixed blade chisel point head with replacement blades and it's worked and it's you know it's simple you know if i you know shoot it and ding it up a little bit replace blades and it's you know that whole throwaway consumer mentality in uh, in broadheads but I i feel like i'm buying packs of broadheads every single year too um but but you know it's it's kind of one of those things it's worked a little bit but the 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 uh, we're losing my train of thought here. The uh, the sharpening is one of those things that gets me on solid heads, and you know you talked about that in a little bit in the beginning. So like I bought the premium grade steel, and Ryan, you were talking about that a little bit. The differences in steel. Now I'm not somebody. I'm not a machinist, and I don't I don't know very much about steel. I've had some people talk to me about steel, and I, I kind of go, oh, yeah, that makes sense, but in reality, I mean, how much of that do I retain? And I think that's probably most of us, right? So I was curious, like, you, you were talking about the sharpening and the difference. So, like, the, the premium quality steel, I had one heck of a time getting a burr, you know, getting them sharpened. You know, I went through the, the videos and everything else. So, like, right off the bat, when, when somebody's making that transition to a head like this, like, what are what in your mind should be the expectations of that person? Because I think like in my I had an expectation this was going to be easy, and I was like, holy cow, this is not easy at all. So I mean, expectations and kind of the gear to get set up to to have a good experience. Yeah, I think it, you're right. It's all about that mindset when you start going into sharpening your heads. We're kind of believe it or not, we did that this week in in our own shop. Like I got out a sharpener, I I pulled. I pulled in Alex and we're just talking like, how does this work? And I was able to start with like a 400 grit, get a burr, work to a 600 grit, get a burr. And I probably, on one head, I probably spent 30 minutes, mm. right? 35 minutes. And it's, it's that process, right? And some guys, I'm going to say some guys don't want that. They want to go to Walmart and that's okay. They're outside having fun, killing stuff. And, and that's great for them, but we're in it for the guy that, that wants to know that, that not only wants to know, but, to also to bring him along and be like, hey, this is a process that is can be fun. You can get a lot of education out of it and just something different. It's probably my generation too. Like, again, living in a replacement world, like sharpening in general is not something I'm very good at. I mean, I, yeah. I, I don't even know if I would say I could hold my own in it. So this, this process has been a learning for me just in that alone. Yeah, definitely. Do you feel better though? after you get done sharpening, you're like, man, man, I just did something that's that I can go shoot and kill something with now. That's what I love when a guy calls me like, yeah, I spent this time, but I got the burr. It's perfect. It's honed. Like I love it. I, I did. I'm not gonna lie. When I started this process and and I did it too close to the season. Like till I got yeah. this set up, it was a last minute decision for me to 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 tinker with this, right? And uh, I remember I was I was working on my heads and I was really really struggling and I, I learned that I had I had the wrong sandpaper and, and maybe that's something you could talk about a little bit too. But again, I had the 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 premium tools uh, steel, which you you said it's kind of like a fifty seven fifty eight Rockwell, right? Yeah. Yep. And uh, I, I struggled, and I actually, uh, I actually talked to somebody who I knew who was really, really, who was a good machinist, and uh, you know, sharpened knives on machines. And I said, "Do you think you could take a look at these and get me started?" So he actually, you know, 
I cheated and went that way, but it seems like once I had that that edge honed, that I could maintain it with a jig. Yeah. Yep. Very true. Very true. Uh, seems like uh, that that's true though. Like if you're gonna go this route, it's, it takes time. Don't wait till the last minute. <laughs> Don't wait till the last. Minute. Did you have any issues with it after you got it tuning the head? Uh, say that uh, again. What, like as far as like once I got the the edge sharp. Yeah, were you even before that, like in tuning the head? Everybody's like, "Well, this doesn't fly like a field point." I'm like, "No, it doesn't. It's not mm. a field point." Do you have any issues on that side, or did it tune up raw? Did you have any issues on that? I guess yeah, is my question. Yeah, that's a great question. So I didn't know what to expect. You know, my tuning experience has mostly been on the bow side of things. You know, if I'm adjusting my rest, I'm I'm changing cables and strings and, and you know, adjusting the, the tension there and, and fine tuning the arrow, you know, tuning so to speak, I, I was tuning um the bow to the arrow. And, you know, the way I did this um with my other setup is I kinda tuned uh the arrow to the bow, I guess. I kinda did it the other way yep. and and, you know, I, I went down the the road of tinkering with with point weight to adjust my my spine of my arrow versus you know other ways that you can do that and i was really really impressed at once i figured out a point weight that the arrow that i had cut like to shoot um how true that flew and it, it got to a point like once i had that then i screwed the broadheads on um you know i'm somebody when i'm shooting shooting in the in the fall like i don't shoot field points like I always shoot broadheads. I always have broadhead targets. I shoot up the daylights during the season to, to keep them, you know, keep make sure that my my setup. I'm, I believe in with my broadheads. And I'm I'm not gonna lie, once I had that setup with with the VPA head and and the right point weight and stuff, I trusted them completely because they flew like darts. Good, good, awesome. Yeah, I mean the, uh, it, it's just a, a constant learning experience for me and i think it's there's so many different avenues like do how many times do you get those questions about it's not flying right and what's usually your avenue for steering people in the right direction if you're looking to simplify your food plot system while enhancing the quality of your soil you need to check out vitalize seed company vitalize provides top quality seed blends designed to fit into their one-two planting system the system has been designed to allow highly diverse plant species to grow synergistically, optimizing nutrient uptake and cycling the way God intended. Reduce your inputs, build your soil, and maximize the quality tonnage for the wildlife in your area. Find out more about this system and get your seed at vitalizeseed.com and be sure to check them out on Instagram and Facebook. I mean, I'm trying to think about that question. It's been a, I, I can't, um, I know it's been over a year when I've got a guy, I had a guy last time, last year about this time that was, um, he was shooting 175 free blades and he was having some run out issues and it came down to, um, I just sent him another pack and it actually was on our side. Mm. Like there, there was a run out issue on that, on that, that set ahead. So we, we go back and we QC them all again just to make sure that they're within spec. But that was the last time I have had a guy personally where I've talked to him and we FaceTime and I'm looking, I'm looking at his video. And I'm thinking, you're right. There's run out on that. Like I do oh. not like that. So that's the last time I've had an issue on that. Interesting. 
yeah, I don't get those calls often. I get more on the side of um, the sharpening side, right? Right. Well, and then, well, and then we get go ahead. we get people too, like you know, thank you so much for your help. It's really you know made such a difference, and they can't see going back to shooting something that wasn't you know a fixed blade or wasn't a heavy grain broadhead. And and so it's always fun because a lot of people like to just call and and talk about how it worked for them too. So we spend a lot of time just fielding those types of conversations as well. And. One one thing that concerns me about going down the avenue that we're talking about, and I, I think it's just the, again, it goes back to expectations and what you're thinking of when it comes to the shot. So one, one thing I've been a little bit disappointed in, you know, whether you're watching YouTube or following people and, and we go down this, this uh, transition to maybe a heavier arrow or maybe you're just switching your broadhead solid steel. Um, I'm concerned that we're, that there's education out there for new bow hunters that shot uh, angles and reading body language on game and things like that are kind of getting pushed to the side with the mindset that we've got this arrow now that's invincible. And I don't know that that's necessarily the case. I mean, there's a lot of great research out there, whether it's the Ashby Foundation or just people who've been doing this for a long time, where, um, you know, deeper penetration and stuff or things like that. But one thing I've I've learned and I want to kind of invest in a little bit more. So, like, if I ever hit bone on a shot, like, it seemed like my first failing point was going to be my head. And it, it always seems like when that head bends, turns, breaks, whatever, that energy loss, if it hits bone, is so significant that I can't maintain penetration. And what I'm curious about is whether you're shooting um, a 400-some grain arrow or a 6-plus hundred grain arrow, if you've got a quality steel head and you still hit bone, is, is that head not going to, you know, it's not going to lose its integrity. So does it just change the direction and path of the arrow and not lose as much uh, momentum going through. And that, that's just an interesting thing that I've learned. But I mean, when it, you know, I'm sure you get people all the time that send you uh, pictures and success stories about, you know, hit, hit bone, the arrow did the job. I mean, like anything to add on that, my, my just rambling there of, of uh, shots, so to speak. Yeah, I'll take this one. So I guess just a story from a guy last year um, that, Kind of really amazed me and it um single bevel guy um out of ohio wanted um nice his early season he's gonna take his dough um he's like i'll say i had a bad shot of a quarter and two and he's like i caught a right in the knuckle mm. and saw her run off and i felt terrible and um he's like little did i know she came by the next morning and um he was able to drop her and he found, he sent me pictures of the head that was totally intact, totally still, all together. Um, he's like, I sharpened her up and I put her back in my quiver to kill my butt. So I get stories like that that are really cool when there's, the, yeah, he, he says, I made a bad shot. Um, it was my shot placement, but he owned that and was able to, to drop her the next morning. But like he's willing to say, like, it was on me. And we can't, we can always say that whether it's going to quarter away. Like, Shot placement is shot placement. Am I aiming for shoulders? No. Like, right. because that's, the way, that's just the way it is. But do I have the confidence right deep down inside that I know that I should blow through because my setups 
right around 500. I'm, yeah, like that's where I'm at. Like mm. I have that confidence in me that my product is gonna gonna do what it says. Yeah, I think experience in bow hunting is a big thing, and the more experience you have, the more you'll be comfortable to take shots, whether it's a, you know, quartering two shot. You know, that's a shot that I really try to avoid. I mean, I can only yeah. count, I can only count the number of times I've done it on one hand. The first time I was inexperienced and had a very bad experience, and since then it's left a bad taste in my mouth. And, you know, I, I practice a lot and I shoot well, but let's face it, I, I, I get the jitters as bad as anybody get, when game comes I get nervous just like the other guy, right? Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, for me, I, like, I, I'm not at the point yet where I have the confidence to say, look, I'm going to take a low percentage shot because I think I'm really good and I trust this head, but I know there are people are out there and my biggest concern is, you know, are, are we, are we sending a bad image in, in bow hunting? And I don't, I don't know that we are. It's all in interpretation. Um, yep. And that's where we, we really push, you know, shot placement and really being educated as to you know, what you're doing and practicing. And then like Ryan said, like we stand behind our products where we're all human and going to make mistakes. So even if that mistake did come about, you're still going to mm -hmm. be able to recover the animal. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I wouldn't mind switching gears a little bit. So one thing that I noticed with anything that you guys have, you guys have a, a huge list of different heads like different grains solid versus vented two versus three blade different steels and uh like to me like it's it's slightly overwhelming even though i'm somebody who shot just because it's like i have a hard time knowing what i want and why i want it and i'm sure you get that question a lot so you know i'm curious i'm curious like how do you go about if somebody asks you, I want to shoot one of your heads, but I don't know what I want to do. Like, what's what, what's that avenue you go to, to recommending heads for a guy? Um, it's definitely going to start with um, what grain weight are you shooting now? Mm -hmm. If they're brand new, like guys that we're talking to have probably shot the past, let's say, at minimal, like five, three, three to five years, right? That have been in the industry for a little bit longer. Um I'll ask them what, what grain weight are they shooting now. Um, and then I'll kind of steer along that way. If they're a trad guy, like they're shooting something heavy. If they're a compound guy, normally they're shooting, um, 150 and lighter. Um, believe it or not, like our 200 single bevel, like was number one last. Mm. And that really surprised Alex and I were like, we did not see that coming. Um, and I think that's because guys, like you said, guys are, like looking at that FOC and starting to think, maybe I should be looking that way. Maybe I should like be trending that way. Um, why do we carry snow explosion? Why do we carry so much heads? It's because we can't say no. Like, so <laughs> like it's like, uh, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, let me let me think about that. And that's how the single the one twenty five came out this year. Like, yeah, I talked to the engineering. Like, yeah, we can do that. We just got to make some adjustments, and yeah, we'll figure it out. So. Yeah, forty. I think it's forty-eight different. We can have forty-eight different heads, and it kind of ebbs and flows, like what we're thinking about not carrying and what we are carrying. So, forty-eight different heads, right? Yep. And basically, I think the summary is like two blade, three blade, single bevel, three different steel options. So, carbon tool steel are all our black heads. They just have like a black oxide coating on them. Some stainless steel options, and then our premium single bevels, which are those. OD green Duracoated ones or the F7 tool steel we talked about and then 100 to 300 grain and then a few different cutting diameters so inch and an eighth is most common and then some uh, inch and a quarter and inch and a half cutting diameters too. That's kind of the summary of 
you know, all the different broadheads that we offer. It's it's a big summary, and it's it's got a lot of flexibility. So I, um, I have to ask the question: Why have uh, why have three different steel qualities? Why why not use the best top end quality for every head, and that's just the way you use it? Like what? How does that fall into your planning? Yeah. So the our when we launched our single bevel line last year, at the beginning of last year. Um, we started out with the premium single bevel head, so that S7 tool steel, which is just a harder material, um, and we call those our premium heads. And then we launched the single bevels in the carbon tool steel, just just to offer those single bevel heads to our customer base at a lower price point. Really, we want to be able to, mm-hmm. you know, get our customers what broadheads they want and meet them where we can with price and and really just be able to supply that quality product steel still and and uh, you know be able to get it to where as many people as as want to try it out can yeah we're blue collar right like that's like we want it we want to reach everybody we want to reach the guys out there that that want a head that's going to last it's it's a great price point yeah, i like then, i like that what's that i said yeah i like that absolutely yeah. um you know bow hunting is one of those things that it's not it's not for one select interest group i mean this this is something we want to have everybody uh, exactly. involved in so you know another thing too like I, I know there's a lot of talk about you know single bevel versus double bevel heads and that the single bevel heads have the 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 wound channel turn and the the bone splitting ability and like i don't know if i've i don't have the experience with those types of cuts to know is that actually true or is that marketing and uh you guys know the answer to uh, bevels way better than I do probably and I'm kind of curious like how do you position bevels in your choice of broadhead selection hmm. that's a really great question um I guess for anybody that doesn't know a blue channel out there take a single bevel head and put it into a potato like see what see the rotation as it travels down through if 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 you want more of an angle or, or more of a, a corkscrew through then you want a steeper bevel, and that's what we wanted. We wanted a steeper bevel, and that's why we designed it at 35 degrees. Interesting. There's different, yeah. There's different degrees out there, and you can take them all and throw them slowly through a potato, and you'll actually see it corkscrew through. So, um, on the engineering side of stuff, like we looked on the market and what was out there, and we decided to go more with a steeper angle, steeper angle. That way, we had a better wind channel. And we, you can prove that by shooting it through about anything you want and seeing that rotation as it goes through. Interesting. Yeah, so it's definitely definitely got a lot of, um, you know, science and testing to back that up, too. But then also we're like, we still carry double bevel broadheads and, and three-blade broadheads because it's personal preference on what people want to shoot. And it may depend on their setup and it may depend on what they're hunting and where they're hunting and and so there's really, you know, a different broadhead out there for everybody, depending on, you know, what situation they're in and, and what they like. So, mm-hmm. you know, we never push somebody to having to use a certain type of broadhead, right? right. We see success with, with all of our broadheads and get pictures back each season of every one of our broadheads being used. So, yeah. so that's the fun part too, is, you know, coming out with new stuff and, and just seeing it perform well. Do you guys see advantages or disadvantages in either in either of those heads, and or how you would cater in one style versus another, or one type of hunting versus another? 
yeah, I can. I am a non Vimpin guy, and that's I think more in my head than any. I'll okay. say that, but because I've I've we've shot those and you can hear them downrange, right? Um, but some guys they swear by a Vimpin head. Um, but for me in my head, like when I'm shooting it, like that's the last thing I want to be thinking about is is it going to jump? Are they going to hear? Or like that's just that's just me. Mm-hmm. So so yeah. Like if a guy asks me which one makes noise, I'm gonna be like, or if they ask me like the vintage make noise, that's the first thing I'm gonna say is, yeah, they definitely make noise. Like I can hear them, so they make noise. But on that, like I'm not steering them away or pushing them towards answering the questions honest with integrity, right? That's what mm-hmm. we gotta do. Well, and there's different situations when people want to choose a vented head. Like we have some pro staffers out west that that swear by using the vented heads just in their conditions that they're hunting in, and and just. You know, that's what they prefer. So it really just depends on, on your setup, like I said, and and just personal mm-hmm. preference with everything. Uh, do either of you guys have personal preference or, or thoughts on advantages, disadvantages versus the, the cut of the head, the single versus double bevel heads? Alex, you want that one? Sure. So I would say we're definitely seeing trending more towards single bevel with our customer base over the double bevel for sure. We still have a huge following for the three blade. But the the thing that we would, you know, say as the distinction between the two, yeah, you're going to get that, that spiral corkscrew cut and deeper bloodlet and penetration. But you're also having to put in the time, like you said, to sharpening a single bevel. Like that's not going to be the most easy, you know, common sense type of sharpening there is out there and so it does take some time to get it to where you need it to be in order to get out there and hunt with it so especially that premium steel it's a it's harder to sharpen than the carbon tool steel that we offer our double bevels in so there's Mm -hmm. just different different considerations i think with what you know what you're willing to invest the time into yeah, back on the back on the the whole sharpening thing. So you know, I I talked earlier that I got the wrong sandpaper, and I, I realized that that was a a big thing. And I, I know you can get different stones too. So you know, out of the box, let's say you know what I'm 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 making the jump here. Here it is. It's it's April, May. It's springtime, and I want to start planning for fall. And I'm going to use a quality steel head. And I wonder, like, what is your like checklist or process from the time you guys open a, a set of heads until um, you're ready to, to knock them in the quiver. I mean, from the, you know, not necessarily from the tuning side of things, but ma- mainly from that sharpening side of things. Like what, what specifically are, are, are you, do most people need to make that happen and, and have a good experience? Um, they're going to need a sharpening. They're going to need a sharpener. Whether you use paper, if you're going to use paper, you going to make sure that that surface is flat, flat, right? They don't want to, you don't want to do it on a picnic table, I guess. Mm-hmm. Make sure on something that's pretty flat. Um, for me in our shop, we use, we've been using 3M stuff and, uh, we start with a 400. Then I went to 600 and then I went to a thousand. Mm. Just running them like with with the KME sharpener, and just running them. I just run them and drag them, run them and drag them. I never go forward. Um, I some people say that the material will, yeah, will push into it. Like I don't know. I haven't done enough research on that. I always go back and then um, I strop right, mm-hmm. and then I, next grain weight or the next grit, and I'll do the same thing, and then I'll do the same thing. Just repeating that process and um, 
I tend to do one side at a time, <laughs> run them all through, flip the head and do the other side. Um, I think I'm more like you two where I, I definitely like, I put those heads on earlier and earlier. Um, I've heard a guy saying like, I'm not shooting field points anymore. I'm just going to shoot heads and go through targets. Mm-hmm. That's, that's so great. Like good for you. Um, but yeah, that's the process that I kind of tend to take, but here it's kind of easier in the shop. I, there are some files out there that some guys use that can get them really sharp. Um, and I just make sure that they're cutting, popping hair and away we go. Like, is there any specific, like when you go, so sandpaper and, and files and stones, like they're not all created equal for, for the steel. So like, is there anything specific, like, like making sure you get the right file or the right, you know, you said the 3M is what you guys have gravitated towards. Yeah. Um, there are so many high end Swiss files out there that you can get that will get you what you need on a, just to do that last 30 thou on that edge. Some guys want the whole thing. That way it looks shiny. Other guys don't. Mm-hmm. Um, depending upon if they're out west or if they're northwest, northeast, um, they don't want them to rust. So they'll, they always like recommend like, Hey, make sure you have chapstick. Make sure you have bead wax. Mm-hmm. You don't want to rust. Make sure you're coating them, then wiping them off when you're going. Um, that's one thing we always recommend for guys in those, those high salt and high water areas. Um, as far as on stones, um, I don't have a really good recommendation there. I haven't really like researched that enough in mm-hmm. order to like recommend a stone. I, we use paper here and that's what we like because we have flat, really flat tables that we can use. No, I like that. I like that. That's, that's good. So that's, that's huge help for getting that, that, that first step underway. Um, yeah. it's just, it's over. I think that transition for me was overwhelming. Like, I think my expectation was not set appropriately for, for making that transition. I saw some advantage to using it. It's just, I wish I would have started last year a little bit sooner. So I'm, I'm hoping to, uh, to kind of go down a, a different, different avenue with it this year, if, if that makes any sense. Sure. Yeah, and we actually have some great YouTube videos on our channel. So if you go to YouTube and just search Vantage Point Archery, one of our um, local field staff guys, Brian Poe, has made some videos for us sharpening the three blade, sharpening the single bubble. He loves the single bubble, and that's what he's got in his quiver. So definitely check that out, too, for a, you know an actual video to watch and on how he sharpens those. And we've been talking a lot about the two blades too, and you guys offer three blades. And to me, like I, I haven't done any research or watched any videos of how people handle three blades. But if you want to shoot a three blade head, like to me, it it seems like it would be harder to maintain that edge and, and keep it sharper. But maybe I'm wrong. How do you go about doing that in three blade heads? It's, it's actually easier. Believe really? It or not you're just grabbing the top top blade and you're just running it forward on the stone. Okay running it forward on the stone or on paper, and then you're flipping it. Try to keep the same number of counts. Some guys get lost. I've actually talked to some guys who are like, I just do it when I'm going down the road. Like, I'm sharpening the edge. Oh, gosh. My... Yeah, and I'm like, oh, okay. I I that <laughs> that but, seems uh, really dangerous, but okay. Really but, they, yeah, they say it's really simple for them to do a three-blade head because you're, you're taking the guesswork and the angle because they're running flat. Everything runs flat. Right. So you're actually putting uh, you're, you're putting one of the bevel sides on two blades at one time is how you're doing that then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So you're just taking it and running it forward, lifting up. We say don't run back and pull back because we'll mess that tip up. We don't want guys right. to mess that part up. Hmm. So, yeah, you're just forward. 
Lift it up, rotate on the spine. Rotate on the spine. That's it. I think I did three on that one. That's a bummer. But yeah. Yeah, it seems it seems maybe a little bit simpler than jigs. So I I I didn't invest right away in a in a KME. I I used the Stay Sharp and it seemed to work fairly well. And there was a yeah. bunch of videos out there for it. But I mean, uh, it seems like those are the two main go tos a lot of the time. Definitely, yep. Gotcha, guys. This has been a, a blast. I think this is fueled for my fire as far as getting ready for for this time of year. And I, I really like. Um, I just really like the direction you guys are going. So, I mean, I, I want to leave us off with anything you guys would like to add with where you guys are going or, or you know, you talked about your new launches with, with stuff. I mean, is there anything else that um, I'm missing from a from a VPA standpoint you guys would like to share with us? Yeah, so our new products that we talked about earlier, just adding to our premium single bevel lineup this year. So a 125 and 175 grain single bevel. Those have been highly requested over the past several months. So we launched those at ATA this year, and they've just been flying off the shelf. So really proud that we can offer a different grain weight for everyone, regardless of if they want to shoot single bevel or double bevel or three blade. So we've really kind of completed, you know, all our options there and just excited to, you know, keep expanding our product line as we go. Excited to go to shows this summer and and just get our name out there and, and you know, show more people what we're about, USA manufacturing and, and supporting ethical bow hunting. That's the big one there. USA yep. Manufacturing supporting bow hunting. We can't uh, we can't think of a better way to better way to uh, to wrap up our discussion over broadheads. Any yeah, any, yeah. any exciting hunts lined up for you guys, or any exciting uh, archery adventures for you guys? Are you going to come out? Are you going to invite us out? PA? Do you want to come out to PA? I don't have much to offer you, but you're welcome to come. <laughs> You know, I was actually like I'm anxious for turkey season. So like I'm an I'm an agronomist. So this time of year gets really chaotic just with planters rolling through the season. And like I don't, I could take the time to hunt more like before work and stuff like that. I just I haven't just because I feel guilty when I do. But uh, like I I used to get really fired up for spring turkeys and I, I wanted to take my bow again this year. But I'm just like so on the fence. But uh, you know, I haven't been seeing as many birds and, you know, places I hunt, so not sure what to, but I mean, that's it. That's exciting. <laughs> yeah. Um, Alex, you want, like, I, I, we don't have anything like scheduled planned yet as of this year. We um, work too much. So we spend yeah. too much time in the office and in the shop that it's hard for us to get out and get away, especially during the, the show season and then getting into hunting season. But I think we're all planning to go turkey hunting this spring and then, um, we're trying to plan a trip out to Arizona to go hunting with one of our um, field staff guys. And, you know, he's a guide out there. And um, I think Stringer's got some hunts, some crazy hunts planned, some bear hunts yep. and different yep. stuff like that. So, yep, we'll, we'll stay busy for sure. <laughs> yeah, stay busy and live vicariously through field staff, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Give me some cool pictures. Yeah, I know the feeling sometimes. Um guys i really appreciate your time really appreciate you sharing your knowledge and and like having a better understanding of the the hows and whys behind your broadheads and and how this um kind of kind of like a a new i'm gonna i don't want to say a new area because 
solid heads and this is it's, it's always been part of archery but it, it's kind of resurfaced and I think there's a lot of questions about it I've had a lot of questions and I just think it's good information to just put out there like this is the this is what's happening right now and you can make that decision of what's best for you and your bow hunting setup yeah absolutely thanks for having us on thank you yep, guys thanks, Mitch. appreciate it